Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. This episode just so happens to be my first episode in March. It's also only two weeks away from Zack Snyder's Justice League, one of the biggest rumored cuts of all time. We're finally getting it in its completed form. It's actually probably a lot more movie than we were ever hoping for. It's going to be four hours long. That's insane. This could never go to theaters. Hopefully it does. I would like to check it out in theaters. It is an HBO Max exclusive. The only thing more controversial than all the events that happened on Justice League, which I'll get to in a future episode, is Zack Snyder's characterization of the heroes we know and love. You have Superman and Batman. Both of those probably have the biggest changes out of all of them. I think Batman kind of stayed the same, and I'll get to that a little bit later too. Superman is a little bit different. They put a little bit more emphasis on his character, what makes him tick. Basically, they made Superman more human. Granted, he's not a human, but they gave him a definite story arc. I enjoyed this story arc. I even like what they did to the Superman character in the theatrical version of Justice League. What I don't like is that they CGI'd Superman's face. Actor Henry Cavill had a mustache at the time because he was working on the one Mission Impossible film. But anyway, we'll get into that later, as I said, on a future episode. I do intend to actually go and talk about the Joss Whedon version of Justice League as well as the Zack Snyder version. So next week's episode is going to tackle Justice League, the theatrical. I have to say that I am a fan of Zack Snyder's works. I know that a lot of people criticize him for some inept film directing. That's not actually the case. He's definitely no Michael Bay as far as that goes. Michael Bay deserves the criticism. I don't think Zack Snyder really deserves that. I myself, I'm fine with what Zack Snyder was doing. I liked it. I'm a fan of his work. I wanted to see his DCEU continue. It gave me something different. I am going to do my best here to actually try to stay not too far on one side or the other as far as love or hate of the series. I'm going to try to stay very neutral and unbiased throughout this episode. With all of that, I think we should discuss the movie that kicked off the DCEU, or Snyderverse if you would like to call it that, 2013's Man of Steel. The overall plot of Man of Steel doesn't really break new ground. What it does do is show us a little bit of Krypton at the beginning of the movie. I actually really like that. It does a good job of doing some world building here. It almost reminds me of some of the same creativity that James Cameron used in the movie Avatar. I myself am not a fan of Avatar, however I do recognize it as being a very pretty movie or at least it was back in 2008 or whenever it came out. I don't know how it holds up. I haven't seen it since it came out, really. I viewed a little bit on, you know, Blu-ray, but it's one of those things that I just can't see myself re-watching that. Man of Steel does a similar idea. I mean, Krypton is awesome looking. I love the way it kind of reminds me of Mars, but we have very cool creatures that we see. Superman's biological father, Jor-El, is flying around on this almost like a dragon-like looking thing to me. 
It's cool, of course the CGI doesn't really hold up, but it's neat. I also like the fact that they make it a point to say that Kal-El, also known as Superman, that he is the first natural birth of a Kryptonian in thousands of years. This means that he has complete free will. That's the thing, the movie shows that the Kryptonians are bred for a certain purpose on the planet. Great in theory, but it takes away what would make them have those humanistic desires, those humanistic points of view. The movie even goes so far to show Jor-El swimming of where the Kryptonian babies are being birthed. They kind of grow in these like sack pod types of things. I don't know the proper name. I don't know if this is something that was in the comics or not. I really did appreciate this. This whole process of breeding the babies for a certain purpose gives the character of General Zod an actual purpose. There's a reason of why he is doing what he's doing. It's in his nature. He's bred for war and protection of the Kryptonians. He does bad deeds, but he does essentially what he believes in his mind and in his genes that what he's doing is good. This whole idea that Kal-El was birthed naturally, he didn't have any of that modification. This gives way to why he would have good in him. Of course, that also means that he would be capable to have evil inside of him as well. The important thing to note here is that he has the choice. As far as story goes, Krypton blows up. Kal-El, Superman, is sent on a spaceship headed to Earth. Zod swears he's going to find him. He is also imprisoned, sent floating through space. There's something that the movie does that I really like, and that's the fact that we have Superman doing odd jobs. He doesn't know who he wants to be. He doesn't know how he can fit in. He feels different, as he should. He's an alien. So we get little moments with these odd jobs. He'll go and have to save somebody or do good. Then he'll have to be on his way because he's worried that he'll get found out. We also get little intercuts of his childhood, of when he did a similar thing. It was kind of kept hush-hush in Smallville. He was different. He did different things. But at the end of the day, he did help and save a lot of people in Smallville. I really like that they included these moments. It should be noted that Christopher Nolan had a story credit on this movie. Christopher Nolan did actually have some story influence over what happened in Batman vs. Superman, as well as Justice League. He was going to kind of just start weaning off, and he did towards the end. This one really does have a Christopher Nolan influence. The whole Superman doing odd jobs and saving people that reminds me of something that I would see in like a Dark Knight type of movie because it's a more realistic, more grounded approach to traditional material. A lot of people claim that Superman was mopey and all kinds of different things. I don't really get that because we have that character arc. He's just starting out. The movie really makes the effort to let us know that no matter what happens, whether he's bad or good, he's going to change the world. I love the conversations that he had with Jonathan Kent. The fact that he loved his son, whether he would be a bad or good man at that point, 
the undying love between a parent and child, it's pretty great with the way that it's established here. The scene where Jonathan Kent is swept up by a tornado and he tells his son to hold back because he didn't want his son exposed to the world yet. It really is a moving scene. It bothered me when I originally first saw the film. It's like, go save him. Well, he could have, yes, but Clark wasn't ready for it. The world wasn't ready for Superman. I have to say I really like the casting of Kevin Costner and Diane Lane there as Jonathan and Martha Kent. They do a great job. They provide that much needed stability for Henry Cavill's version of Superman. I think Henry Cavill does a great job as Superman. He has that vulnerability, which you see more, I think, in Batman v Superman. Here we get a definite character arc by the end of the movie, we really do feel like Henry Cavill has control of the Superman character. His expressions with the way he gives his lines, it's near perfect. It feels the way Superman should feel to me. It's definitely no Christopher Reeve, but then again, it doesn't have to be. This is a different movie. If you wanted a sequel to the Christopher Reeve Superman, then sure, watch Superman Returns. While it's better than Superman 3 and 4, it's definitely not as good as the other two. I should say that I do like Brandon Routh as Superman. I feel like he should have gotten a better shot. He was a good Clark Kent Superman in a average to below average Superman film. Man of Steel is actually a better film than Superman Returns. It is definitely a slower paced film. I kind of like the pace. Yes, it's a long movie. It feels its length. But I really do like that we have time to breathe in a movie. It makes us wait for that action. The overall action in Man of Steel is over the top. Metropolis gets leveled. I didn't like that at first, and it was one thing that really irritated me when I saw it the first time in theaters. I didn't care for this movie much the first time I saw it. I've seen it now a couple times since it came out. This is probably my second or third viewing of the movie. I like it more every time I watch it. It's not when I revisit because it is a lengthy film. It is a good film. My initial reaction to it is definitely unwarranted. I think as the years go on, Man of Steel will actually be looked upon fondly. We should talk a little bit more about the casting. Of course, I said Henry Cavill is a great Clark Kent Superman. I really like him in the role. I also said about how Kevin Costner and Diane Lane are good Jonathan and Martha Kent. I did like Amy Adams' take on Lois Lane. They gave her a little bit more of something to do. She wasn't so much the damsel in distress. She was in many times, but she put herself there and of course, Lois does those things. But I like that they really made her into a strong journalist. So if you're looking for a strong female character, I, I think she did a good job here. Her Lois Lane character that has bigger balls than most of her co-workers is welcome. I enjoyed it. Michael Shannon as General Zod is good as well. He definitely provides that evil that that we need for the general zod character we need him to be 
unremorseful and unsympathetic, and he conveys that quite well. I wish Lawrence Fishburne's Perry White had a little bit more to do. Of course, I don't know how much you could do with his character, but it would have been nice to see him a little bit more throughout the movie. He's a great actor, and he doesn't really have much to do here. The final one I'm going to say about here is Russell Crowe as Jor-El. He does a great job as well. I like his sympathetic character. He even tries to provide sympathy to General Zod. It comes across really well. I think he was a great choice for the role. Of course, Marlon Brando was the character of Jor-El in the original Christopher Reeve Superman films. It's a definite different Jor-El than what Marlon Brando's was. Honestly, it works for this movie. I even liked the whole consciousness taking over General Zod's ship. I thought that was actually pretty cool. He was actually badass for a little bit, helping Lois escape from General Zod's ship. Before I close out Man of Steel, of course we have to talk about the ending. The ending is easily the most controversial thing about this whole film. Everyone hates the ending. I personally think that it fits the movie. People are upset because Superman decides to kill Zod. He snaps his neck, and that's because Zod is going to kill some humans. It's at this moment that Kal-El decides he wants to be on the side of the humans. He's not letting Zod win. He's begging Zod to stop it, but he's not going to. Superman really had no choice. What else was he going to do with Zod? He couldn't send him to the Phantom Zone, so it kind of had to be done. There's no way Zod could have lived. Zod wouldn't have been the type of villain here that would have been like, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to go back into space and I'll be back in a few years for the Man of Steel 4. No, that wasn't happening here. Zod had to die. Superman had to make his choice to be on the side of humanity. The ending of Man of Steel also solidifies the talks between Jonathan Kent and Clark. It really does establish what kind of man he would be, that he has to make that choice. At that moment, at that ending, he made that choice. I think that's all I'm going to say about Man of Steel. Well, that was a lengthy one. I think I have it in me to continue on. I think we should go ahead and talk about Batman v Superman. So if you have another 15 to 20 minutes, I think we should definitely analyze it. So here we go. The second movie in Zack Snyder's DCEU Snyderverse is 2016's Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Batman v Superman has the honor of having two different versions of the movie. There is Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, and then there is the Ultimate Edition. I'm going to be talking about the Ultimate Edition. I don't think it really will make a difference here as far as what I have to say. However, if you are actually going to view the two movies, I recommend watching the Ultimate Edition. It's roughly about 20 minutes longer, it's rated R, it's a better movie overall. By now, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you probably have already seen this movie. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, then hopefully I can provide a little bit more reason of why I feel it's actually a good movie. 
just like Man of Steel, I'm going to skip the plot synopsis here and get right into it as far as what I liked about the movie, maybe what I didn't, but then just my overall thoughts on the whole thing. The opening to Batman v Superman is really striking. Outside of the opening narration, the scenes of the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne are told with no dialogue. I love it when films do that. It conveys emotion simply through images, and despite seeing it all before, it really is somewhat beautiful in the tragedy. I think Zack Snyder really used a similar idea to how he opened up Watchmen, even though that was kind of like a moving pictures idea. This here, it just shows all the images that we've seen before, but it's probably my favorite way that it's been shown on screen. We've seen Thomas and Martha Wayne die quite a bit. They always have to, to provide that catalyst to, to make young Bruce Wayne become Batman. So they didn't actually go ahead and change anything here. It's a good thing too. The other thing I like about the opening is that the battle between Superman and Zod, well, Bruce Wayne was in Metropolis there at that time. He's doing his, what he does best, and that's saving people. He also sees this as the moment where Superman would be the villain. He almost blames him for everything. If Superman wasn't here, Zod would have never came here. So of course it's Superman's fault. That really is a catalyst to the whole story throughout the entire movie. If I'm remembering correctly, this was inspired by the Batman and Superman Public Enemies comic book storyline. I would have to have one of you comic readers out there see if I'm correct on that, but I believe that it was inspired by that. If we're going to go one step further, of course this is also inspired by The Dark Knight Returns as well as the storyline, The Death of Superman. Either way, the opening where Bruce Wayne was in Metropolis when Superman was battling it out with Zod, it really is just great to see the events that happened at the end of Man of Steel from a different perspective. This is actually a much unloved movie, mostly because of the story. A lot of people say it's disjointed, it's boring, it's a whole lot of different things. They don't like that Batman kills people. It's... I don't know. For me, a lot of controversial moments is the fact that they introduced Jimmy Olsen as a CIA agent. He's essentially killed just as fast as he's introduced. I also really didn't care for Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. He's essentially a Mark Zuckerberg type of character. He gives off a social media CEO vibe to me with how kooky he is. I will say I do like him saying about how devils do not come from below, but from above. Once we get the less kooky Lex Luthor, he's less goofy later in the movie, I'm fine with him. It's not really a surprise that he's the one pulling the strings here. I did like the inclusion of Zod and Zod's ship to make Darkseid. It was a good choice. Don't know if that's from the comics or not, but I liked it. It was one part Lex Luthor, one part General Zod. As far as the inclusion of Ben Affleck as Batman, I really do like the fact that he's a detective here. We get a little bit of that in the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight films. While this Ben Affleck, Bruce Wayne, Batman, he feels more like a detective here than we ever received in the Nolan trilogy. 
Of course, this Batman is the most brutal Batman we've seen on screen. He brands people and straight up kills them. I'm actually okay with this decision. We have the established Batman that really feels modeled after The Dark Knight Returns, which I mentioned a little bit earlier. He even dons the metal suit that was in The Dark Knight Returns. It's kind of good to have this weathered and... I guess middle-aged Batman he's well into his Batman career mostly because we didn't get that before on screen we did get a little bit of that in the Dark Knight Rises the final entry in the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy but here it feels good like it feels like it fits the movie itself for everyone who is in the boat of Batman doesn't kill well yes he does a lot of us love the Tim Burton Batman films, and hey, guess what? He was killing people in those movies as well. It just wasn't as blatant as what it is here. One aspect of this movie that I really liked was the God aspect. It worked for me. The whole should Superman interfere and save everyone? It reminds me of almost like an atheist argument of if God exists, why do tragedies happen? Why are they allowed to happen? The trials of what to do with Superman and should he be held accountable? It's kind of silly if you think about it because how in the world would they ever control Superman? Unless they knew about Kryptonite, which they really didn't. That was Lex Luthor. But I'm not going to pick apart the plot too hard because I guess it does come apart if you do think about it too much. Another thing I really liked was all scenes featuring the showdowns between Batman and Superman are epic. The first meeting between them is a great stare down. The next time when they are fighting, it honestly is a scene that I would never have thought I would get on screen in live action. I've seen it before in the Dark Knight Returns parts 1 and 2 animated. I never thought I would get it here. It really did live up to my expectations. I was happy with that. Of course, with this scene, we do get that Martha moment. Everyone loves to make fun of the Martha moment. I actually get that. It is kind of funny how it's shown. I really do think that the heart and emotion though is in the right place. I don't hate that part. It might be mishandled. I don't know how I would actually improve it though if I was the director. It is just kind of funny that both of their moms their names are Martha. So, oh, well, your mom's name is Martha? Well, so is mine. All right, let's stop fighting. We'll be friends now. And that's usually the way people compare it. Sure, that's the way it comes across a little bit, but it really is a decent scene, and I can't see the movie without it. Batman v Superman's subtitle is Dawn of Justice. I think it did have a good inclusion of some of the other Justice League characters. We get to see more of some of them than others. The one that they really took the time to include was Diana Prince. Of course, that's Wonder Woman. To be honest, Gal Gadot really does command the role when she has her discussion with Bruce. She's a welcome addition to the movie. She does get a bit of shortchanged as far as screen time goes, but if we're being honest on the whole thing, I feel Superman gets shortchanged as well. He's integral to the whole story, but there's a lot of focus on Batman and Bruce here. I have a theory on that. Zack Snyder got a chance to play in the Batman sandbox, he went too far with it. It could have also been a mandate from WB with including a lot of Batman scenes. 
I believe it was Jeff Johns that said this was a Man of Steel 2, a sequel first and foremost. Well, he's half right. It is a sequel. It's no Man of Steel 2. I'd have loved to have actually still had the movie that we received with Batman v Superman, but with an actual Man of Steel 2 before Batman v Superman. I think audiences and critics would have been far more accepting of the whole movie with a little bit more world building. Maybe in this Man of Steel 2 that never happened, maybe they just simply introduce Batman or Bruce who's just taking notice of Superman. Who knows? We'll never know. They should have done that first though, in my opinion. As much as I hear complaints of the mopey and sad Superman, I don't quite get that. I specifically looked for it here in Batman v Superman. I honestly didn't get it. He's slightly unsure of himself here, but it's only because of public perception of him. He's not human, but he has definite human qualities. It's not 100% of the Superman we know, but I feel the journey from Man of Steel to BVS is showing his strength and vulnerability. I actually like the fact that Superman is upset that he couldn't stop the Capitol bombing. A great scene that I believe was cut from the theatrical is when Superman goes on his retreat, we get a nice reunion with Jonathan Kent. It strengthens the Superman character arc in my opinion. We are really getting a journey with an actual character arc, yet a lot of people complained about it. I'm guessing it's because after the grounded take on Batman with the Dark Knight series, audiences were looking for that fun, comedic take on comic book films which they were getting with the Marvel films. They were already like five years into making movies by the time the DCEU came around. Audiences wanted lighthearted entertainment. I get that. The thing is, I don't understand the how and why you would want to watch the same thing over and over again, or go in with preconceptions that it has to be funny since a Marvel film is. I'm not really debating between the two companies or their various films, as I honestly feel both have their rightful place. I will say this from a look between the two rival companies' films, at least the DC films are properly color-timed. It took Marvel a long time to figure that one out. Seriously, look that one up. A YouTube user took the time to actually correctly color-time some scenes of Marvel films, and they look far better than what is presented in the actual movies. One of the last things I'll talk about here is the actual battle between Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, and Darkseid. I actually really liked this scene. I thought it was well done. We get the action that we wanted. We got to see Batman and Superman fight alongside with Wonder Woman against Darkseid. The initial design of Darkseid I thought was funny. The fact that he is in his first form where he's all smooth and everything. It's a really funny moment to me when they're shooting missiles at him. He's standing there naked and just simply roaring and yelling at them. It reminded me of like King Kong or something, I don't know. It was ridiculous looking. It's a cool scene, sure, but the fact that he's naked yelling and roaring like that is pretty hilarious. Earlier in my segment here for Batman v Superman, I said that we get an adaptation of the Death of Superman story. We do here, and that involves a kryptonite scepter. They go and use that to defeat Darkseid. It's really well done because Superman does what Superman does. He's trying to get the job done, save everyone, 
He sacrifices himself in the process here. Of course, we all know that Superman's not really dead. It doesn't change the fact that the scene is super emotional and you almost can't help but feel like cheering him on. You know he's going to save the day, but with the way the scene is shot, it really does create a beautiful moment in the movie. Zack Snyder has a lot of beautiful moments in his films. This is no exception. This movie also plays out really well if you watch it very close to Man of Steel. If you watch them, you know, within a couple days of each other or something, it really does play out well as a sequel to Man of Steel. Of course, I wish there would have been a little more breathing time. I said that earlier, but it's okay. It works. It's a good movie. Seek out the Ultimate Edition. That's the one to watch. Of course, it makes a long movie even longer. It just flows and plays out better than what the theatrical version did. I think I'm going to close out this extremely long episode of Adam Analyzes. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore Analyzes. You can also catch up on past episodes at AdamAnalyzes.com. If you don't do the whole social media thing, you can send me an email at AdamAnalyzesPodcast at gmail.com. If you do have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners, create new episodes, plus I love those digital hugs. With that being said, be kind and good night.